Hey, Philo community, welcome to another episode of the Philo Podcast. We're here to help you become more effective as a technical artist and frankly, as a human, so that your church can become more effective. And we try to do this through the podcast, through the Philo Conference, through the Philo book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, and through Philo Coaching and Philo Cohorts. And speaking of Philo Cohorts, we recently launched a few new cohorts, and I'm leading one starting next week. And as I'm recording this, we still have a few spots left. So if you're interested in being a part of a community of technical artists from all over the world, and who also understand the challenges that you face as a technical artist in the local church uh, because they deal with them also, you should sign up. Go to philo.org slash coaching and you can you know, join us on the next round of cohorts. And as we jump into the summertime, uh, I'm hoping that those of you who are listening are making plans to take some time maybe to replenish yourselves. I mean, I don't need to tell you the ministry season is long, it's intense, and each of us really needs a chance to come up for air so that we're ready for the next season. And for some of you, you still haven't gotten to your finish line. Your finish line is maybe VBS after that's over. Uh, But wherever your kind of finish line for the season is, uh, the summer is a great time to do some things that are out of the norm for those of us who do production in the local church. When things have slowed down, if that is even a thing for you, um, I just thought of three things that I'm going to be about this summer uh, that I generally don't have time for during the year. Uh, One of them is I'm going to take a vacation with my family. I've been working hard. You know, maybe I haven't seen them a ton. And I need to slow down long enough to make some great memories with them. And I want to encourage you, do the same. Maybe go home early one day a week. Maybe plan a vacation. Whatever it is, now is the time for it. Because, you know, once the ministry season kicks in, there's going to be all kinds of things vying for your attention. This is a great time to invest in your family. Maybe some of your coworkers are on vacation and things start to get quiet around the office. This could be a great time to work on a project or two that you generally don't have time for. I mean, so much of our lives as production people can end up being determined by others, other people's ideas, the needs of the church at a particular moment, or something breaks and you gotta fix it. So what happens is we tend to put off the projects that only we care about, uh, you know, for some future date. And sometimes that future date never arrives. So maybe now is the time for that future date. Maybe checking a couple of things off the project list would be a great way to spend this summer. Another great thing to do in this kind of uh, air quotes downtime is get the team together just to hang out. It's another perfect summer activity. You know, after the luster of working on cool gear wears off, people really come back week after week to be able to serve together in community. They're in it for relationships. So yeah, find someone on the team willing to host a cookout or maybe someone has a lake house, whatever. However you could gather the team together just to have fun someday or a night, just to hang out and enjoy each other. No other agenda. And so I would just encourage you, now is a great time to exert some control over your schedule and do the important things that we generally put off during the regular ministry season. I think you get the idea. Let's get on to the podcast. Uh, The guest on our podcast today is Joshua Hoig. Uh, He's the worship and creative arts pastor at First Baptist Church in Elgin, Illinois, which is just down the street from us. And he is a part of the Philo community. I mean, he's one of those people who does everything at his church, and you'll get to hear him talk about all of it. Uh, He brings kind of a smaller church, Lone Ranger perspective that I think we can all learn something from. And it was really fun sitting down with Joshua and talking about just the challenges that he faces at his church. And I think you'll really get a lot out of it. So let's dive in. Joshua Hoig, welcome to the Philo Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here in person. That's right. When I was getting ready for this, I'm like, oh, there's no Zoom meeting request for this. So I made one and then Joshua <laughs> responds, oh, I'm we're outside. doing this in person. I'm like, oh, okay. That would explain why there's no Zoom. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> if I looked at the meeting request, it probably says something about like in person. I just, yeah. I could do, I'm just all Zoomed out. Yeah, you know? yeah it's that's true. A, a long couple of years, so. Yeah, it's good to be like face-to-face. Yeah. And, yeah. Which coming from an introvert, that should say yeah, something. That's that, like, right. Wow, well, that's how desperate wants we are. to get together in <laughs> that's person. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking about how we met, and I think it was through the Philo conference. Like, yes. Uh, so um, yep. somebody recommended you to teach a breakout class. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, we started interacting with that. This mm-hmm. was 2020, I should yes. mention. Yes. And so, yeah, you came here. Yep. This room. I, yeah, actually. this very room. And I think the heat was turned off. 
uh, because it was COVID. <laughs> yes. And they shut the whole building down. Yep. I'm like, I'm we're still doing stuff, so we're gonna shoot uh-huh. a video in here. The glamorous behind the scenes. <laughs> That's of- right. Yeah. I think you, the space heater that you can see. Yeah, the power was still on. So <laughs> let's turn on yep, the space heater. Yeah. Yeah. So you taught a breakout kind of about doing scenic design for a smaller church setting. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that's kind of, yeah, that's how I remember meeting, which may or may not be what you remember. But uh, My journey started a little earlier, but that was sort of our arrival point at meeting. I've been familiar with the conference for a number of years. I came on as a B-roll shooter for Dave Hunter early, early on, maybe the second year you guys did it. Sure, right, okay. After one main session, I went to Dave and said, I can't shoot for you next year because I'm attending this conference. (laughs) And I have been back to every single one. Oh, wow. Slowly weaseling my way in (laughs) as deep as I can. And here I am. Yeah, you made it. On the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, nice, okay. I guess I've forgotten that about the second shooter thing. That must've been 2016. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He had somebody back out. And so two days before he called up and so I said, yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah. And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, there you go. So before we dive into the topic of conversation today, tell people like what you do now and maybe the story of how you got there. Okay. So I grew up in central Iowa. Okay. And all through high school, I had a passion for architecture. That was what I wanted to do. And so there was no question. So when I came time to research universities, I really prioritized it being a Christian school. That was important to me. And of course, architecture. And at the time, um, Judson University here in Elgin was the only one in the country that offered a full master's program. And so I ended up at Judson for architecture. And then through the course of that first year, as they say, God kind of did a a work in me a little (laughs) bit and sort of shifting some things around and, and repositioning my sort of posture toward what am I going to do with my life, you know, Uh and the way that God's gifted me. And so I didn't lose my passion for architecture and I did well with it, but it was, as they say, the joy of the Lord wasn't in it, (laughs) (laughs) which is a silly way to say it, but that's how it it was. And so I shifted into worship arts. Okay. And so I finished my degree at Judson in worship arts and I ended up working in Elgin, sort of part-time at a local church. And then about 10 and a half years ago, ended up at the church that I'm at now, First Baptist Church in Elgin okay, as the worship and creative arts pastor and kind of the guy that wears lots of hats. Sure. But I've been there a little over 10 years now and absolutely love it. Oh man, 10 years anywhere. Yeah. In any, in any kind of, I mean, it, Maybe church work, it's like double the years, but yes. just in any profession, 10 years is a long time to be yeah. any place. Yeah, well done. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a lost thing too. The So many, I know sure. so many people where it's more common to bounce right. a few years right, here, right. a few years there. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I know in my parents' generation, it was very much like you work, you start working for a company and you retire from that oh, same company. That's, my dad is that, exactly. And it's so foreign now. Yeah, right. When I say it, I've like, been someplace 10 years, they're like, oh, yeah. why haven't you left? Right. <laughs> I think about even my grandfather, my dad's dad, he was 52 years. Oh, he wow. worked for one place in the same job. I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe it changed, I would yeah, imagine. Of changed. I mean, of just course. think about technology changes, maybe, you know, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, yeah. 50s. Half was, a century. Yeah. But, That's um, nuts. Yeah. He, he was an accountant. So maybe instead of having a slide rule, he okay. like, <laughs> eventually had the, the calculator. Yeah. yeah so his job like became more fun, maybe. Right. I don't know. But the thing about that's maybe different now is that my dad working for General Motors, the company's so big, he probably had 15 different careers. Oh, yeah. You know, I could change jobs, but stay within General Motors. Whereas, yeah, yeah, in a church setting, it's harder to uh, to change jobs and stay at the same place. So, but anyway, all that to say, congratulations on making it to 10 years or surviving 10 years. All all whatever. Yeah, I don't know the best. (laughs) What does the plaque say that they gave you? Depends on the day. Yeah, right. On the back of the gold watch that you got from the church. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so maybe talk a little bit about your the church setting. Like, how big is First Baptist okay, of Elgin? Yeah. What is the congregation makeup? I think right. that'll help also be a backdrop for our yeah. chat. So the church typically, I BC. I kind of use like BC before COVID and AD yeah. after Delta. <laughs> oh right. So <laughs> our BC, we were like 
between three and four hundred on an sure. average okay. Sunday attendance. Mm-hmm. The church has been around for I think the church itself is like one hundred and eighty some years Oof. old. Okay, there's a lot of history with the church, and so that does also contribute to the fact that we are pretty diverse generationally. Mm-hmm. We do have a larger demographic that's sort of 50 and up. Any 180-year-old people uh, there? Yeah. No, okay. yeah. no. We've had a couple creep past the 100-year mark. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. But yeah, in the last 10 years, maybe somewhat to my credit and probably not, but we've started building up sort of the younger demographic sure. and some young families in there. And that's been kind of fun to see that dynamic. But yeah, when I came on, they were sort of transitioning from more of a traditional setting to more of a contemporary setting. And so some of that work had already been laid ahead of me. I would probably describe our setting as somewhat blended. I sometimes hate to use that word. (laughs) Why do I have to (laughs) characterize it in some way? But, uh, But yeah, we've got a church that's really, again, it's an old church, and sometimes that tends to reflect in sort of being stuck in their ways and and hard to sort of change and and move forward on on different ideas and things, but that's not the case. We have a really gracious body of believers and a community that's really all for kind of, hey, what how can we do this the best that we can? Sure, right. And if that means when we move this direction, yeah, let's do it. And we have a lot of, there's a lot of trust in our leadership team, which is also... Not all too common in sure, church right. settings. Especially in older churches, you know, that are yes. well-established. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I still don't know why they hired me. I was yeah. so young when they <laughs> hired me. But, yeah, the trust that's been built over the years has been really great. But we are, I said before, so BC, the three to 400, we've slowly, AD since Delta, kind of worked our way back to, we're just creeping shy of, I think, 200 in okay. person. But then we also have a lot of people online still. Sure. So our overall numbers, it's hard to gauge. As with anybody these sure. days, it's yeah, kind yeah. of hard to gauge where we're at. But we are, are working our way back. Sure, know? right, right. <laughs> and is the building that you're in old also? So, and- yeah. That, so the building that we're in is not the original 180 <laughs> years ago <laughs> building. But it it was the building we're in now was built in, I believe, the 60s, okay. maybe the late right, 60s. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so with that, comes sure, yeah. some challenges. The The sanctuary is, when it was built, it really had a very traditional kind of vibe up until about 12, 13 years ago. They, had, they still had pews and they had an organ and sure. the steeple or the pitched roof A-frame right. down the middle, very high ceiling, kind of a longer space uh-huh. rather than wide or square. It's sure. sort of a longer rectangle and so yeah, structurally, it's a bit more on the traditional side. Right, um, right. Not 180 years, but right, right. 60s, yeah, yeah. you think 60s, It's that's kind of where it's in. We've worked really hard over the years to kind of take what we have and and work it in ways that are more reflective of not only the times, but the needs of our community sure, and how right. we can do that. But, right. Yeah. 1960s, just re- I'm having a flashback to the church I grew up in as a little kid. Oh, and we. <laughs> It was, this is probably more information than we need, but it was started by the wife of one of the Dodge brothers. So oh, wow. Like, you know, the <laughs> Dodge car. Yeah. So she had a giant estate and- Oh, goodness. Near where I grew up. And she she had built like a, we'll call it a mansion for the sake of- and then okay. In the 20s yeah. or 30s, something uh-huh. like that. For her daughter who was getting married, it was like a wedding gift. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And sadly, she died on her, she and her husband died on their honeymoon. Oh my gosh. So this, this mansion well, this just sat, dark. sat empty. She started a church. The, in this in the, building. Yeah, oh in like gosh. the dining room of the wow. this mansion. And so, yeah, this is like the longer story that we need. What a story. But they, from there, they built their first real church building was 1960s okay. vibe. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I was right there with you. Oh I'm yeah. Like, oh yeah. That was uh formative years for yes. me. Yes. Yes. We still got a whole wing that's still got that old linoleum floor that we're slowly one room at a time yeah. <laughs> getting rid of, but it's still there. Oh man. Yeah, just thinking about in my context, you know, from a production standpoint, yeah. there might have been a panel on a wall somewhere right. for lights and for like one knob for yes. a, for a podium yep. mic. Yep. Yeah. And so is that, have you had to like create space for the production to live? Or? Um, yeah. And some of that, thank, well, part of me is thankful. The other part of me is not so much, but they had done quite a bit of work prior to my starting there okay, 10 years ago. Right. They had just finished kind of an overhaul renovation of the space. Uh-huh. 
that was lights and stage and projection and all the tech. So on the one hand, I was able to kind of walk into, oh, this is all like freshly done and I don't have to be a part of what can happen when you have a project like that in a a church that's big (laughs) enough to have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Right. So there was a part of me that was thankful that, oh, I didn't have to be a part of all those right, decisions. Right. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, oh, it would have been kind of because I'm the one using it now. It would have right, been nice right. to, oh, I would have done this a little differently or that a little differently. But they did set things up. We've got a booth in the back. It's Some would say it's not the best space, sure, like yeah. place in the room. It's what we call kind of one of the dead spots, the dead zones as far as sound goes. Oh, so perfect. Yeah. our guys have iPads so they can walk around the room, which right, has right. been helpful. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is pretty well set up. We haven't had to do much. There's actually not a lot of flexibility really with the space to sure. to move things around. But but yeah, they've got a pretty good setup that again, I was able to kind of walk into pre-existing and then okay, how can we use this to yeah, yeah. to best serve the church? Sure. So. Nice. So I would imagine that there are a lot of there's a high percentage of our listeners that could probably identify with 3-400 people coming to a church service more than Say a mega church, you know, thousands of yeah. people coming, and so yeah. there's something about your situation that's really interesting mm. for us to talk about. Like you're you're responsible for the what's happening on stage, yeah, uh, or on the platform, and you're also responsible for like a thousand other things. Yes. Like, how do you? I guess on one hand, does that do you love that, or right. <laughs> do you like? Are you waiting for the chance you can hire somebody else yeah. to take some of the things away? Yeah. I often tell people it is the best and worst part of my job. (laughs) There are some days where it feels like, man, I get to do all these amazing things. And other days where, oh my gosh, I have to do all of these things. (laughs) But yeah, I would say it it leans more towards being the best part Mm -hmm. in that it really keeps, and maybe this speaks to the 10-year longevity thing, it my job's always interesting. Sure. I mean, there's always something. Yeah, yeah. One week it might be heavy on, oh, we've got baptisms coming up, so we're doing testimonial videos. So my head is in like, okay, video production mode. Right, right, and then right. the next week we've got Easter services coming up. And so I have to build out an Easter landing page on our website and get all that. So oh, that yeah. week I'm in like web designer mode. And oh, wow. so it bounces around a lot. So there's a part of it that keeps things kind of fresh. There's, sure. There's never a dull moment, really. Right, right, right. And as soon as things start to feel boring, I know something's about <laughs> yeah, to drop because yeah, yeah. uh, that's not common. But uh, it is really challenging, though, because there does tend to be... I'm kind of a yes man. Okay, I, sure. The right. word no is tough for me. Yeah, yeah. So as a people pleaser, it's it's easy for me to get too invested in too many things and want to give 100% of myself to every little thing. Right, right. But that's just not sustainable. As right. I've learned, burnout comes <laughs> really quick with that. So, yeah. But it is tough to to not just get so focused on getting every little thing done. And so every, I've told people this, every, I don't know, probably two years or so, I kind of have to sort of step back and do a self-check on like, okay, you do all these things, right? but if everything were to be stripped away but one, what's the thing? Like right. what's the heartbeat of who you are and and what you really feel God's sort of equipped and called you to do? And and for me, that's worship. So okay. I'm the worship and creative arts pastor, but if it were all whittled away to the thing that makes me in terms of my work with the church, it's it really is the worship. And so, but the challenge is worship and leading and that's, it comes... I don't know how to say it without sounding, I don't know. It yeah. it comes naturally. Sure. And so it's an easy thing to just write in. Got it. Yeah, um, right. Where there's a lot of other things, the production side and, and all the, the other things that I'm involved with that just by their nature take time sure, and work. Right. And so yeah. it's easy for me to in, end up investing more of myself and my time in those other things and the one that can kind of go on its own on autopilot right, right. gets neglected. Sure, yeah. And that's really when I feel the burnout because I realize, oh, hey, that like that flame is really low. I need right. to, to hone in <laughs> Yeah. all this other stuff that you tell yourself is so important to ministry. And the more you do it, the more it enforces and affirms that idea that oh, all this needs to be done to the right, best right. Of, of my ability and yeah. this level of excellence that I need to hold everything to. And so when I see a ministry that's got... Maybe they've put handwritten posters up because they have an event coming up. I think, oh, let me help you with that. And (laughs) I insert myself. So it's not always being a yes guy. Sometimes it's just, hey, I know that I can help make that better. Right, right. Let me help you. Yeah. 
It's so interesting to me. I guess I have two thoughts. I'm going to share one and then I'm going to forget the other. So okay. that's just usually <laughs> how it goes. So I've been reading the story of Mary and Martha. Okay. And yeah. the, the whole thing where Martha gets so wrapped up in the mm-hmm. things she's doing yep. and really good at. Yes. Yep. That she's totally missing, you know, yeah. Jesus is right there. Right. Wanting to spend time with her. Yes. And she's missing it. And I yep. think it's, yeah, it happens to so many of us that you're yeah. just like, all this needs to get done mm-hmm. that we're, yeah, we sort of lose sight of, you know, why yeah. we're doing it. And mm-hmm. and even like that Jesus cares more about being with us than yes. being a participant in the mm-hmm. thing we're making. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's, and the thing about that story too, that always gets me is that the things that she was lost and distracted in were inherently good things. Yeah. And she, by its face, she was doing good things and right. trying to create the space that would please Jesus. And the things she was, yeah. so that's the danger in ministry sometimes yeah. too, is that the stuff you're doing, they're great things. Yeah, and when not, utilized not, well and yeah. offered well, they're great. And they're and, and again, Jesus wants to partner with us in creating those things, but it can so, because they are inherently good things, yeah. they can so deceptively sneak in and become right. the object yeah. Of worship rather than well, the I, avenue of I it. I think it's too what it's what in in her story and in your story, my story, yeah. like God has made us a certain way to mm-hmm. thrive and yeah. to like, oh, this is like without effort I can do this. And I love right. it. And yeah. And then pretty uh-huh. soon, yeah, that becomes the thing that we're that we we're worshiping that thing yes. instead of yep. instead of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a huge trap. I, Cause I think if we were to revisit Mary and Martha mm-hmm. and Jesus shows up at a different time, you know, maybe Mary's having the problem. Oh yeah. You know, oh, gosh. Uh, and you know, Martha's like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, we might not give together. Martha yeah. enough credit. We might've just yeah. caught him on a bad day. <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah. We don't know what was going on before he showed up. Right. So she might've just been in a mode, you know? Right, so, right. Yeah. Cause yeah, and, it's all of us. We're all Mary one day and Martha the next. Right, right. So I've forgotten the second thing. So that's pretty classic, but Called the, it. I'd be interested in, so you have your, kind of your own environment and the things yeah. you're at your own expectations and the things you want to see mm-hmm. improve and get better. And and then you see, I would imagine you like look up from your situation and see yeah. on Instagram what everyone else is doing, all the big churches the and the bigger things. And the, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just curious, like, how do you, how do you see that stuff? Yeah. And then in a healthy way, apply it to your own situation or not uh-huh. even get caught up in Right. Kind of trying to be that, mm-hmm. but be true to, you know, where you are. Yeah. Well, I would I would just start by saying I'm still working on figuring out how to do that well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in a way that's healthy. <laughs> Man, COVID rocked the boat in so many ways. Yeah. And one of the one of the things and it's I mean, it's an amazing thing, but speaking back to the inherently good things that so many churches just by I mean really by no choice of their own, right. ended up needing to get online and, and make all these adjustments in a week's turnaround. Yeah. And we were thankfully in a position that we were able to make that switch pretty seamlessly in okay. a short period of time. But I know a lot of churches that weren't, and then others that had already been in that space for right. years. Yeah, yeah. So the thing that made it difficult was suddenly if I wanted to, if I wanted it, I had a front row seat at any church anywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All I had to do was open up my computer and search for worship services and how many thousands of churches that weren't online a week before now suddenly were. (laughs) And so I could just sit in the comfort of my office and sit in the front row of 10 different churches. Right. And it's, There's two sides to the coin because there are some where it's awful to say this, but like you see like, oh, okay, they're doing great. But you know what? This really watching this sort of affirms me that we're doing really well. Right. Yeah, sure. And then there are other churches that you get on there and it's like, man, what have I been doing with the last (laughs) 10 years? (laughs) And so it is tough. And I think the thing for me, I'm an artist at my core Mm -hmm. and with that comes some baggage of perfectionism and just kind of self-critique and comparison game is just, oh, it is the thief of joy and that could not be more true. So I really just kind of had to continually remind myself that like I'm at First Baptist Church and I'm creating art, but 
I'm not even necessarily just creating art for the sake of the art. I'm creating art for the sake of of engaging this community. Yeah. In encounters with God right. and and dialoguing with him and worshiping him and spending time in his presence and getting to know him better. And so whatever all these other churches are doing, I just kind of have to keep my keep my finger on okay, who is my community? Yeah. And how can I continue to serve them well? And if I see something that whether it's content or or a tech installment or some utilization of a, a tool or whatever on another church's service, I will sometimes kind of put that through the pre- the filter of, okay, okay, first of all, how could we achieve that? Yeah, yeah. Second of all, if we achieve that, would it benefit our right. people? Sure. And if so, then, okay, let's get the right heads involved to try to make that happen. And there are sometimes that works and plays out great. And other times, you know what, that's amazing for their space. And if I were to even try it in my space, yeah. it would fall flat on its face sure, for one right. of a number of reasons. Right. But yeah. Yeah. And I, for me, I, when I was attending conferences at Willow Creek, you know, I was like mm-hmm. working at another church and I come and yeah. like be inspired Yep. And then yep. pretty soon after, like, get depressed because, like, <laughs> oh, geez, yeah. I, there's no way I could do, uh-huh. you know, it's very cool, yeah. but there's no way. You spent, like, three days in Oz, and now you're in Kansas right, again. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't, so for me, I don't, I don't remember exactly when it happened, but there was a moment I remember driving back home from uh-huh. the conference just feeling like, what am I going to, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. And yep. coming to the realization that, like, I've got, I have things and teams and all this at my disposal that look nothing like what I just saw. Right. But what could I do with what I have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, man, what what if I crushed it with, you know, at that time, I think I was the, I was, audio was a big part of my job back then. Uh Uh-huh. And we only had SM58 microphones. Okay. That was it. <laughs> Part of it was, it's what we could afford. Yeah. And because of our volunteer team, it was yep. a lot easier to say, grab a microphone and plug it in. Right. You know, I oh, don't have absolutely. to tell you which one. Yep. Yeah, it's just, they're all the same. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so, but then to realize like, okay, I I can do something. Mm-hmm. I can respond uh, with what I've just seen. Oh, yeah. With something that matches the context I'm yeah. in. And maybe someday we'll look yeah. like that, but maybe never. Yeah. And that's okay. And I remind myself too, when I see these settings, like that kind of thing, like a conference, and it's always hard too, because a conference, they're going to go to the nines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. They're going to pull out yeah, all the stops. It's all right. the stops. But those settings and those churches and those teams, they're utilizing all of that because they have it. Sure. And right. they're in a position to to make those things work and to be able to use those things. And the... I like what you said that use what you have. Yeah. The worship, they're not using those things because they make worship better. Right. They're not using all those extra things because the worship is more true and more pure. Yeah, yeah. They just have other things. Yeah. And so what things do you have? The worship is not, again, more pure or more genuine because right. he got more stuff. Sure, right. And it's easy to get lost in that trap because it's, oh, it's visually engaging. It sets the atmosphere. It sets yeah. the mood. And if the mood's not set, then people can't, well, okay, have that conversation. But within the framework of, okay, what is worship? It's so much more than right, that. Right, right. And yeah, that's kind of a home base that I've had to bring myself back to yeah. a few times. <laughs> I, I went to a funeral recently. It was at a traditional church. Yeah. And it was so amazing. The service on many levels. Yeah. And, but one of the things that just caught me off guard was during, you know, somebody would stand up and say, okay, turn to uh, hymn number 347 in your hymn book. Right. And I'm like, okay, I haven't done this in a while. So mm-hmm. I pull out the hymn book. There's no screens that I can see. Okay. Yeah. Anywhere. There's no video projection. Mm-hmm. There's an organist. Okay. So the person that says, turn to this hymn number, yeah. walks away. Oh. <laughs> and the or- and the organist just like lays into it and we all follow along. Everyone just knew, yeah. Yep. And I it was so moving to me. Like uh-huh. it was just, you know, maybe because it was so different, you yeah. know, that I was I love classical music. Mm-hmm. And so like the organ was and the organist turned out to be somebody I knew. Oh. <laughs> and she crushed it. I mean, it was like so amazing. Yeah. And I've just like so in that situation, like you're 
In their context. Yes. Not for everybody. No. But they're doing yeah. it with excellence. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, it created a moment for me that I encounter God in that situation. Mm -hmm. And I think so often we're trying to, it's easy for churches to try to like force an environment yeah. that can't exist yeah. or shouldn't exist. Yep. And I think, you know, just thinking about your 1960s church, mm -hmm. like, like what what amazing thing could happen there yeah. that can't happen anywhere else right. and embrace it. Yep. Yeah. Instead of, you know, it has to be a black box. And, right. Yeah. Um, I feel like mm -hmm. this is like a soapbox I didn't plan on getting on, but the so many churches now getting built from scratch are just a yeah. big, uh, you know, box yep. with no windows. Yes. And oh, windows. Some of, that's a tangent. Well, and some of it was like in the days of like, if we're doing video projection or whatever, yeah. we spend all of our time blocking the windows. Right. But do we, you know, should we? Do we have yeah. to now? And it all depends on what we're trying to yeah. do. But in our room, anyway. we have one. This is my window tangent. Sure. And then yeah. I'll stop, right. But we have one wall that has windows, huge windows yeah. that look into our parking lot. Such yeah, a so it's quite a yeah. view. Yeah, I know, yeah. Right. I've priced out. You got, I don't know if you've seen like at Walgreens now, their like freezer things have like LED panels oh, yeah, in the right. doors sure, that are yeah. animated and yeah, show yeah. you what's inside. So it's I'm a like, little bit creepy. We, but could we yeah, put right, like yeah. uh, panels in our windows? And just it's always sunny outside, <laughs> right, but not right. too sunny, you know? And <laughs> it can be nighttime when we want it to be nighttime. Right, anyway, yeah. so we have this wall of windows and there were blinds on the windows, manual blinds yeah, right. when uh -huh. I first started 10 years ago. And every Sunday morning I would go and I would close the blinds and I, it, there were multiple reasons. One of them, the positioning of our building and the parking lot, the sun reflects off the windshields. Sure. Oh, and you yeah. can see from the stage who is like squinting to see you. Oh, right. Because they're getting blasted the straight by straight shot that. of yeah, the sunlight. Right. <laughs> but then also too, like in the, obviously we know in the, world of sort of scenic design and lighting design, having control of the light in the room sure, is, yeah. is oftentimes helpful. Yeah. But there was always this third window back, this woman would open her blind. <laughs> so I'd get up there on Sunday morning and they're all closed, but that one is like a third open because yeah. she just loved the natural light. Sure, so right. she would open her blind. <laughs> so we have it now moved. Hers, yeah. I don't know how like how gracious this is, but I eventually got powered blinds. So sure, now yeah. I can just raise them and lower them yeah. and there's no manual you have like a foot switch on yeah, stage there's no yeah. manual <laughs> thing and so we have them open before because the light is great the natural light just right. creates a good space for gathering and, and yeah. connecting and all that but then we close them for the surface and service and then they reopen and some people hate that i close them and <laughs> yeah. some people love it and yeah i think something you said too about that church that it wasn't for everyone yeah i think a lot of times i know for me I can easily put way too much effort into trying to create a space that is for everyone. Everybody, yeah. Mm -hmm. That will meet everybody. Like, oh, okay, well, who is this going to rule out or who's not going to connect if we do it this way? And, man, that's exhausting. Yeah. So, But you've really got to just start with your community because right. everybody knows like that in itself is often diverse enough right, to right. make it a challenge. Yeah, when yeah. you start thinking outside of what are all these other churches doing and we got to make it like – and sometimes people can get lost in the trap too of – reach the loss, whatever the cost. Like, yeah. okay, I know the people that are here, they're already in it, you know? Yeah, so right. we got to do some, we got to create spaces and do things that attract right, outside right. the four walls. And well, okay, again, have that conversation within the structure of what's worship right. and, and how are you meeting that? Yeah, so. I think so often it's, especially in an age where it's easy to compare, uh, yes. just to have to open Instagram and I can see a hundred different there. churches, yeah, what they're doing, what they're not doing. Yep. So it's really easy to compare what am I doing with my life, you know. Oh gosh. Um, and I think <laughs> yeah. the thing that um, when I was in at Kensington Church in Michigan, mm -hmm. we were, it started from a place of we want to try to do something like what Willow Creek was doing in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And, yeah. and do it in the Detroit area. Okay. And so part of it though was we were very clear on the fact that we weren't Willow Creek. Right. And so we had to do yep. what was authentic to us. Yes. And yep. so, you know, as an example, this may be a horrible example, the, the senior pastor was the starting quarterback at Wheaton College. Okay. The teaching pastor was a starting quarterback at Ball State. 
<laughs> and was the chaplain of the Detroit Lions. Oh, wow. And then the arts guy was like the, he was the all state quarterback. Okay. And so sports was like a thing that yeah, you could not get so. away from. Yeah. But it was like true to who we were. Yes. Whereas oh, yeah. if you, you come to Willow Creek, nobody's talking about, you know, right. the Bears or, you know, like not in that, mm-hmm. many, like every other illustration is about football, you know? Yeah. But I think all that to say, just the importance of, being authentic to your people, yes. who you are, 100%, and not yeah. trying to copy what somebody else is doing. Yep. Because yep. on the surface, you can mm-hmm. maybe copy it, but then, yeah, the motivation for doing it and yeah. how it's coming across to your people mm-hmm. would not feel real. No, yeah, that only lasts so long. And oftentimes, too, trying to achieve X, Y, or Z results in more work for you. Mm-hmm. And so it can burn you out too. Sure, because right. when the end goal is meeting that bar that you've set based on s- comparing to somebody else, mm-hmm. when the goal is no longer bringing your best to the Lord, it's yeah. exhausting. Sure, there's there's right. no fuel in it. And so you're running on empty. And so, yeah, that it may, might work for a little while right, to try right. to fit something else in the, the square peg of this other church right. and the round hole of your church. Yeah. But uh, long-term, that's just, it's going to burn you out. It's going to burn your people out. And, yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so uh, so difficult to be confident enough in who I am and who God has made yeah. me to be like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I think about Philo, it's real easy to get to comparing about what other people are doing. Yes. Yep. And I just have to remind myself, like that's what God has called them to mm-hmm. and embrace, even though maybe oh, you're yeah. frustrated by it, like embrace who you are. And yep what you're bringing to the table and then just try to do that the best you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, social media has been a bad. Yeah. I mean, not that this is about social media, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. To comp- like, just to be comparing ourselves. It is. It's, it's, well, it, and you're never, it's never apples to apples either. Right, you're right. comparing, you have such intimate knowledge of your flaws, right, the cracks, yeah. your behind the scenes. So you're comparing your behind the scenes footage to their highlight reel sure, right, because that's sure. all they're putting out. And honestly, that's all any of us right. sometimes yeah, can be yeah. putting out. And we realize if we were to go back through, oh, like, oh yeah, I'm projecting this life of- Yeah, everything's it amazing. Together. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. figured it out. So, it's, so that is why, that is the danger of the social media trap right, because right. it is, you're not comparing, it's not a fair comparison. Sure, right, right. <laughs> you're fo- focusing on your worst and their best and it's just, yeah, yeah nothing good comes from now, that. Now thinking back about your, sort of your tenure there, yeah. Uh, being there for 10, you know, just over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like how have you survived that long? Or maybe survived is the wrong word, but yeah. like have you reinvented yourself 10 mm. times or have you, because hmm. I think being being anywhere for a long period of time, yeah, it just, it's easy to become cynical. Yes, yeah. It's easy to become cynical like on a good day, but like right. when you're around the same people for so long, Yes. It's easy to, when you see how the sausage is made to yep. just become, it's easy, again, speaking for myself, to become the worst version of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means I'm maybe going to not last as long. Right. So, yeah, that's like a long, yeah. long-winded question. That's a, but, that is a, a <laughs> it's a fantastic question though. Man, 10 years, it's, it's a long time, but it's also sort of a blip. Sure. My oldest was born right after we started. So I always kind of gauge our time at the church how old Car- Carter just turned 10 in February and it just, boy, you blink. But yeah. the years within it feel so long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> so long. <laughs> but yeah, I think I would I would have to be honest and say that there have been seasons of burnout. Sure, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say like self-reinvention, but self-evaluation yeah, yeah. out of necessity. Like I mentioned before, those times when like, hey, oh man, I am spread way too thin right Mm -hmm. now and I've got to figure out what to hone in, what to say no to, understand that good enough is good enough. Oh, geez. I can't believe you just said that on the podcast. I'm sorry, but it is, man, (laughs) it is so so true. It's so important to be able to like accept. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's, yeah. It's a tough thing that I have to remind myself of often because as a perfectionist, good enough is failure. It's like swear words. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. right. Yeah. (laughs) Because there is no such thing. But yeah, I've had seasons where 
I've really had to kind of step back and say, man, this is really tough. This isn't, I'm just feeling, and almost every single time it has to do with two things. I've lost my center Mm. on worship. Yeah. Because again, it's the thing that I can phone in really easily because it comes naturally. But man, if that is not locked in at the center, everything else is going to sort of bleed dry out of that. And so if I'm like zoned in on that thing, it fuels everything else. Yeah. And I forget that often. We're human. And so we just make the same stupid mistakes over and over again. But then the other is I let the well run dry in my personal pursuit of, of Jesus. Sure, right. And it is so humbling to realize that and to realize it over and over again Yeah, that it becomes so much about the stuff. And working in a church, it is very easy to convince yourself that the work you're doing is time spent with the Lord right? because you're doing work for the Lord. And so as I'm designing this graphic for our next branding series or for branding for our next series, Hey, this is, I'm, I'm worshiping, but okay. I'm not thinking about it that way when I'm designing. And so that doesn't take the place of my intentionally taking time to pursue day after day, uh, the Lord. And so that lifeline, when I lose that, or again, when that runs dry, I start wondering, why am I parched? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's because... So so it's kind of those two things that I have lost and had to regain yeah. many times. And it's, okay, who's the heartbeat? What is the heartbeat of who I am and what God's really called me to? Because I'm doing a million different things and I don't think God called me to do a million different things right, and right. spread myself thin because that doesn't serve him, doesn't serve the people. So sort of locking in on my center, which again, for me is worship, and then just making sure I'm consistently chasing after him because it's so, it unfortunately so quickly becomes about any other thing you put in place sure. of yeah. him. Yeah. And it can be the work, it can be the ministry itself, it can be the tech, the gear, the music, the people, it can be any number of things. Yeah. And it just so easily slips into that place that's reserved for him. And when I let things take that place yeah it doesn't last long before i start wondering what the heck yeah yeah why do i feel this way (laughs) but yeah it's so interesting to me that living a life where you're present with with jesus in every moment yeah is on some level so against the way we're the way our culture oh uh, absolutely how we've been raised yeah you know it's like i'm self-reliant, I'm responsible, I'm going to come up with a plan. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like all these things, again, not bad. Yeah. No. But they do sort of take the place of, you know, where Jesus wants to be. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think anybody working in a local church, whether you're a staff or a volunteer, yeah. I think that you're serving and you're working in the mm-hmm. church. I think when I think about my own story, you couldn't keep me away from the place. I was yeah. so excited that I could use who I was yes. for uh-huh. the church. And so, yep. but then after a while, you know, it's like, that's all I'm doing. And mm-hmm. people are tapping into this beautiful yeah. thing that I can, you know, that I'm bringing to the table and mm-hmm. I'm saying yes to too much and not saying no to anything. Yeah. I used to think if I was coming up with a plan for something, like, yeah. can we do this? Mm-hmm. I would think, do we have enough money? Right. Do we have the people? Is yep. there enough time? I would almost never, I'm going to say never, I never thought about my own, who I was and the mm-hmm. time I had as a resource right. to enter into that equation. Yep. Like, can we do it? Yes, I will stay all night. I will work, you know, mm-hmm. I will sacrifice myself for oh, this thing. And you I automatically rule that right. out. Yeah. And I, I don't, I never thought of it that way. Mm. I wasn't consciously thinking, oh yeah, I'll take the fall for this. Right. No, I'm just like, yeah, I'm in, I'm mm-hmm. doing it. You're asking, I'm saying yes. Yep. And I think so often in my own life, I, yeah, just ignored my own, what my own soul needed. Yeah. And I think because we're confronted by such urgent, important things, yeah, that that that's a lot easier to respond to mm-hmm. than sitting in the silence of who oh. I am and oh, how that yeah. relates to who Jesus is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is, and that's part of with the wearing many hats thing. It is just a whirlwind. Yeah. There's almost no time. First of all, there's no time 
to do that, to yeah. sit in the stillness and yeah. sit in this, like that just doesn't happen unless you're intentional about it. Right. But it also stifles creativity. It stifles new endeavors, trying different things because right. there's literally no room for anything to budge. Like, right. oh, you want me to try a new this, that, or whatever? Yeah, where am I going to fit that in? <laughs> yeah. And so, and that is a very real thing. Yeah. And I think it's probably, you know, it it's not specific to your situation or my right. situation. It's like, it's a universal problem. Yes, it is. It doesn't matter yeah. if your budget has five zeros at the end of it more yep. than mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess what? Everything in your life will push out the time that you need to connect with yep. wh- who has God made me to be and mm-hmm. what is he calling me to do right now? Yeah. yeah. I always remind myself like my, as humans, our autopilot is not to God. Right. Yeah. So if we're just left to our own nature, our own personal trajectory, our own instincts, like none of that, thanks to sin, none <laughs> of that is just going to naturally drift us toward God. Right. Like right. that's not, I always think of it as like those floor escalator sidewalks at the oh, airport. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like we're all on one and it's moving away from God in yeah. order to, like you have to be so intentional right, right. to not only make up that ground, but to gain any. Yeah. Because yeah, when I'm just left to my own devices, it's not gonna it's not yeah. gonna naturally lead me to him. Right. So I'm gonna get busy. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Two days ago, I had sched on my schedule a retreat day. Oh, okay. And so I probably do it once a year. Yeah. And when usually leading up to it, I'm thinking, I have no time for this. <laughs> and maybe I can cancel it last yep. minute. Yeah. And what am I gonna do with all that time? Yes. So I go and no electronics. Okay. Or at least I don't connect to the Wi-Fi. I don't look at email. Like I I just Mm -hmm. shut everything off. All right. And at the end of those times, I'm thinking, why don't I do this more? Yeah. And where did the time go? Like it's like the opposite feeling of how I walked into it. Hmm. And yeah, like I thought I need to get this on the schedule in six months or three months or something. And I know I won't. No. But yeah, yeah, to really reconnect with... I mean, just to sit still long enough. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I literally stared at a wall hmm. for part of the, you know, just like I sat there, <laughs> like what's in my brain? What's, yep. you know, write it down, you know, move on to the next thought. Yeah. But, and that's so uncomfortable for people yeah. <laughs> because our time, our lives are just so saturated. Right, right. It was so rich, the time. And I, you know, I, I had written a list of things that I wanted to contemplate. Yeah. It was maybe 10 things and I- So you I created of, a to-do list for your did, vacation, yeah. <laughs> for your well, retreat I mean, day. <laughs> while I was there, like I, you know, just sitting in the- Came up in with that this list. Yeah, I came up okay, with that yeah, list. It wasn't yeah. pre-thought of. And I think I, like I scratched the surface on two things. Okay, yeah. So I like there were no check marks. I did uh-huh. not complete anything. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I think the idea of surviving someplace or yeah. thriving or, uh-huh. or living life in a right. place for 10 years to- yeah, to be more intentional with our own souls mm-hmm. um, and making time for that. If you're listening to this, you're working at a church. I would think if you ask somebody for a day every six months, mm. I think your boss would probably agree to it, especially if you're if you're a little bit grumpy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? If you're a volunteer, you know, just to do yourself a favor and take a vacation yes. day and just reconnect to mm-hmm. what what is, who has God made yeah. you to be and what's he calling you to do? And then do with it what you intended to do. Yeah. So if you, I know for me, and you kind of spoke to a little bit too, if I were to take a day, it'd be so easy for me to just naturally fill it with yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not what I initially set out to experience yeah, yeah. in that day off. And so I, yeah, that would be an encouragement too. Take, yeah. the, take that time, give yourself the time, but then make sure that you're, keep that time true to what you set it aside for. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. It's so easy to like pull out Instagram or whatever during that day. And so here's a funny, this is like a totally random story from my day, but I I was at a retreat center. Uh And so I walked around outside. It was beautiful. Like there were some guys working on the grounds, a couple guys doing stuff and yeah, I just noticed them, Mm -hmm. but didn't really think anything of it. And then I was back inside and I was, came to a window overlooking the grounds. Okay. And they had gotten a golf cart stuck in the in, oh. in the grass. <laughs> and I was like, 
I'm going to just sit here and watch this and see how long, what are they going to yeah. do? How long is it going to take? And I mean, it was there. I gleaned many things from sitting there uh-huh. watching them. It was fascinating <laughs> to me. But the fact that uh, like if I had been using electronics, I would have missed. Right. I would not have sat there and oh, watched yeah. it. But it was so therapeutic and uh-huh. entertaining and like, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was so so. You probably much have fun. people listening, thinking, "Todd, why didn't you go help them get right. the card no, out?" No. <laughs> I would have ruined the experiment if I had <laughs> yeah. jumped in to help. True, true, um, true. Anyway, yeah, it's just so random. But I will go go back to. So this is, I might get us off track a little bit, oh, but something fine. that I thought of as we were talking, you mentioned like go to your leaders and go to your pastor or whatever. One thing it would be a disservice to not give credit where it's due. One of the things that has kept me at first be for 10 years mm. has been the team. Okay. Yeah. Our pastoral team. When I first interviewed there, I left the interview. I was with the senior pastor and executive pastor, Greg and Jason. And I got back to our little apartment and I told my wife, Melissa, I said, I don't even, honestly, I don't even care what the community is like. If mm. I can work with them every day, yeah, I want this gig. Yeah. And so then they offered it, but the team and I've, Really, unless and until you've experienced the damage of a toxic church leadership environment, uh-huh. you really don't know how good you have it. Sure, when you're yeah. in a when you're in a place of individuals that want the best for you, mm. that spur you on toward that, that encourage you and that challenge you in mm. that, hold you accountable to things, it is a beautiful thing. And far too many people who have it don't know what they have because right, right. I had an experience just right out of college before I ended up back in Elgin that was, it wasn't great. And yeah. so I knew what I had found at first yeah, B yeah. and it has continued to be that they are an incredible team of guys that we work well together. And again, they're not afraid to ask the hard questions. And and I will say too, to those that might be listening, it might be a good idea. I know for me, this has proven really helpful to to talk to, whether you're a volunteer and need to talk to your leader or if you're on staff and whoever your higher up is or whatever, ask for accountability. Mm. Because I know as a sort of a lone wolf in ministry, there's not often many eyes that really see how I'm really doing. Sure, right. They see the work that I'm doing. And as long as that's meeting the bar, right. they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, he must be great because services are going awesome. Everything looks great. Sounds right. great. That There's a deeper level to who you are and to reach out to those around you, even if it's a fellow team member, might not even be up on the hierarchy. Right, it's right. Just to check in with you and say, hey, how are you doing? to be accountable to somebody so that they can just asking those questions every now and then, yeah, maybe every yeah. couple months. Hey, how have you been doing? How have you been getting the word? Like plant those people in your life right. to help keep you on track. Cause yeah. it's as an artist, it can be so easy to just sort of shrink into ourselves right, right. and, and never leave yeah. until we have to yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it's, yeah, so there, that's something important. Yeah, I think too, the part of what you're saying is interesting to me that you're the one putting the accountability in place. You're asking for accountability yes. versus right. waiting for somebody else yep. to look at your life and say, uh-huh. hey man, how are you doing? Like, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but generally people don't ask that question. No. And so nope. you have to invite that question to be asked. Yep. And so maybe have two thoughts again. I will forget the second one, but the... <laughs> the um, I think that your your boss or your team leader or whoever you would be talking to, they want you for the long haul. They want yes. you to thrive. They love you. I think that's a decent assumption, mm-hmm. but they have no idea how to help you in your life to live a sustainable oh, yeah. life. They yep. need You need to offer mm-hmm. that up. Like I'm figuring it out and this is yeah. what I need. Yep. Yeah, the there. I think about it. I talk about it in every podcast. Uh, Jack Welsh, who used to be the General Electric chairman, uh-huh. he wrote a book that I read years and years ago. But in it, he said, "You know, your boss wants you to live a balanced life. You know, whatever that is. Yeah. But they want you to figure it out. Like your boss can't mm-hmm. help you do that. Yeah. Oh, they can yeah. help you if you invite them in. Right. But they're not going to figure it out for you. No. No." The, oh, okay. So I did think mm. I remember the second oh, thing. Okay. Just hearing your the you talking about toxic environments. Yeah. I think there's something really honorable about lasting for ten years mm-hmm. at a place, 
something that's beautiful about that. Yeah. That's not for every situation and every person. Right. And so I I just would say, yeah, if you're listening to this, it's okay to wonder if you should leave. Oh, yeah. Yep. It's okay to stay. Mm -hmm. There's a season for everything. You know, it's like- Oh, absolutely. God is not calling you to stay in a toxic environment. No. And I think too, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a number of years ago, and he said something that really stood out. He was a part of a church. It was brought on, I think he maybe started as a youth pastor and then transitioned into senior pastor. And it was a small community and Mm -hmm. they had a lot of problems and challenges, but he just had such a passion for this community. And really, it was very clear. He believed with every fiber that he was called to be there for this community. Yeah. He had a few opportunities to like bail out as the Titanic was yeah, sinking, yeah. but he stuck around and, and he led this community faithfully for a number of years mm-hmm. and then transitioned off to another church. And I remember having lunch with him and asking like, you were so like in it with that church. Like yeah. what, what made you, you know, to put it crass, like jump ship, sure, you know? Right, yeah. And and he said, so often we think about like transitions within ministries, like, oh, God's calling me to do something else. And he told me, he said, just as profoundly as kind of feeling God calling you to something, God can release you yeah, right. from something just as clearly. And it doesn't necessarily have to be accompanied by a clear direction right, right. after the fact, yep. but an environment that's not spurring you on, encouraging you, pointing you toward Christ, helping sort of build that momentum and trajectory right. toward him and, and the things of God, then yeah, you got to, you kind of allow, first of all, allow space for silence yeah, and yeah. stillness. Yep. Cause I mean, we have to work so hard to even give God a word in edgewise. <laughs> right. um, so allow that. And if he's releasing you from a place, a position and a role, then give that space to figure that out and yeah. lean into it. So yeah, that we just uh, just did a podcast with Clay Scroggins, who's one of the main session speakers for the okay. Shears Philo, and we talked a lot about like staying and leaving, and yeah, uh, asking the question of God. You know, should I stay? Should I go? Right. And in my own life, mm-hmm. when I ask that question uh, of God, usually the real question is, "Do you trust me?" And so then the <laughs> wrestling match is more. Yeah. About, it's less about like. Am I staying? Am I leaving? It's right. like, oh, oh gosh, what is, I mean, do I trust God? What is he calling me to? Yep. Like that's so much more general and specific kind of at the same time mm-hmm. that has nothing yeah. to do with right. uh, staying or leaving. Yeah. That is true. Man. Hmm. Well, we've sort of like covered all the topics. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yeah. Okay, just um, keep going. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. Yeah, of and yeah, I'll, I know I will see you at the Philo yes. Conference again. Yeah. Looking forward to Without that. Without a camera, but yeah, yeah absorbing it all. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great to have you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. As we were talking, I kept thinking about how unusual it is to hear about people who stay somewhere for 10 years, um, especially someone as talented as Joshua and being at a very small church. Yeah, so often you hear about people moving on. And a lot of what he said throughout our conversation pointed back to this idea of remaining at the same place over so many years. Like, I mean, I just love it. The re-evaluating every couple of years or so just to kind of get back to what you're really good at, what you're designed for, and not just doing the huge task list because it's there, Uh, getting back in touch with who you are, uh, not just what you do is so important. And for Joshua, you know, it has meant re-upping at First Baptist of Elgin. And for others, it might be time to move on. But I think in either scenario, it's about living an examined life, not just being on autopilot. And yeah, I just love that Joshua's done kind of the hard work of like, is this still what I need to be about? And am I spending my time the way God designed me to be. And yeah, yeah, so, so inspiring. Uh, I also loved when he talked about comparing his church, uh, you know, what his church is doing to what he sees on Instagram, instead of just kind of getting depressed by all the really cool stuff people are doing that he can't, you know, just looking at what can I learn from what everybody else is doing and really how's it going to serve our community the best. And this is about being intentional, not just doing something because someone else is doing it. Um, I really love that perspective. If you want to hear more from Joshua, he taught a Philo breakout in 2020. 
which we talked a little bit about recording here in the um, the bone chilling office uh, with no heat on. And it's called Scenic Design on a Dime. And he w- it was really good, especially if you do everything at your church, if you're kind of a one-man band, you can check out the show notes and follow a direct link to that digital resource. And speaking of digital resources, we'll be releasing all the content from the Philo 22 conference really soon. So keep an eye out on our social media channels, uh, which is at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. And you'll get updates and links to all those when they are available. And I'm really proud of the content of this year's breakouts. We had some really amazing faculty teaching on subjects that matter to us as production people in the local church, the things that we do every week. Um, These people are doing every week too. And so definitely once those are out, you're going to want to check those out. Um, Don't forget, you can go to philo.org slash coaching to sign up for one of our cohorts that's starting soon. And I think that's pretty much it. It's been great being with you and see you next time.